the shepherds could not be silenced. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The word of the Lord. God's grace, his mercy, his peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is God's gift for the world. Amen. The passage that we focus on this evening is one that I think most of you, probably all of you have heard, maybe memorized from early on. It's one that you could probably say in your sleep or sing it to the melody of a children's song. It's a passage that is probably one of the most well-known. I just saw it recently. It used to all the time appear in end zones. They'd put the sheet out there and say, John 3.16, because it contains everything we need to know about God's plan of salvation. And so that'll be an emphasis that we look at tonight. And since it's a familiar passage, what often happens is we say, been there, done that. And even as we rehearse and go through Luke 2, you've heard this. You know the story, you know how it ends, but I I ask you tonight, before you get on to the busyness that you have yet to do, the people you got to go visit tonight and tomorrow, the presents to be open, the food to be eaten, all the different things that you have to do, the busyness that is Christmas, can we take a moment and just savor the simple passage that Jesus himself speaks? Because everything you need to know is, is right here. And it starts out so simply, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The question you ask though is, is God really loving the world? If you just look back at the year 2019, there's a lot of stuff that made headlines. Earthquakes and terrorist attacks and and shootings people misbehaving, governments not being honest and doing things to take things from each other. It's just all out there. Why why doesn't God intervene if he has all power and authority and he's a loving God? Does God really love the world? Because it doesn't seem like it when we see the world as it is. But I'd like to rephrase that. Why should God love the world? when you see the world and and what it does, when immorality is just the truth now, whatever you want to do, it's, it's okay. When people aren't living in peace, when people look to make an advantage at the expense of other people, where generosity isn't the first thing, this is the world. And it's a world we live in, and it's a world we take part in too. And we like to say, why would God love the world? But maybe I'll take it a little bit closer to home. Why, why would God love me when he knows what I do? He knows what you do, the way we act, the times we disobey. We're, we're not all in it for God first, right? We do and say things that don't elicit the love of God. Why would God love me? And yet that's the way it starts. God so loved the world. 
And if it's the world, it's, it's you and me. And, and what does it mean that God, lo- God loves? Because that word love out there is, is thrown around a lot. You can have TV personalities and televangelists and politicians that are all just into saying how much they want to care for you and give to you and even personalize. Maybe they even end with an I love you. But is it really love? That word gets thrown around in songs and gets thrown around in dialogues, but it's more of a fluffy, emotional kind of love. Try this test. For the person on TV that says, I love you and I care for you, when you show up at their house and need your tire changed, do they get down on hands and knees to help? When you need $100 and you ask this person that only sees you through the television screen, do they come and give you what you need? There's a lot of talk about love. But is there a lot of love that that is going on and being expressed? When God says love, he means it. Because his love isn't just this emotional wish. His love is action. And so God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? I think that's an important question right now. You're wondering what mom and dad, what grandma and grandpa, what Santa left under the tree, what did I get? What is being given to me? Is it going to be a Lexus with a bow in my living room magically? Is it going to be the gift that I've been praying for, the new item that cost a lot and we've been saving for? What is God going to give to me? Is it going to be a happy moment with family? Is it God going to give me a piece of heart in relationships? Is God going to give me good food to eat and a few good days of rest? God does give these things and they are good, but these things pale in comparison to what God gives. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Now that's a different kind of gift altogether. If you had ten sons, would you sacrifice one of them for your neighbor? If you had ten sons, would you give one up for someone that doesn't care for you that much? And if someone else had ten sons, would they give one up for you if you needed them to lose their life so that you could keep yours? Would that be a transaction that would happen? But God had a one and only son, and he gave him up with a plan and a purpose. You see, the problem was way back in the beginning, after creation, when Adam and Eve sinned, that changed everything for the world, for us, and we take part in this and there's this, 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 this chasm between us and our God because of sin that we can't get across. And so God did the one thing that was needed. He gave the one gift that could change things. He gave his son. And as beautiful as a way in a manger is, and we soon sing Silent Night, as beautiful it is to think about angels and shepherds and wise men and gifts and Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, they're placidly in this picture at Bethlehem. That son was given for a specific purpose. He came to do one thing. He came to take our place, to be our Savior, to be the world's Savior And that life that he would live would be the perfect gift that he would give to his father because his father demanded it and we couldn't do it. But then on the cross, he would take that perfect life and give it to us so that it could cover up a world of sin, our personal sins, and God would see us through Jesus. 
He would take all that the world had done and all that we do and he would bury it in a tomb. And there, a few days later, Jesus would rise and give victory. And he would go back into heaven, not to take the gift with him, but to prepare a place for you and for me. That's the gift that God gave and we're connected to it so simply. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Everything we need is wrapped up in the flesh in Jesus. His life, his death, it's yours. And whoever believes in him will not perish, will not get what they deserve. That's it, right? Whenever you get something that good, it can't be for free. There's got to be a catch. There's got to be something that you have to do. There's got to be something that you have to give up. There's got to be some kind of sacrifice, some kind of payment. You don't get something for nothing, and that's not at all what God says. It's the truth because God cannot lie. By simply believing that everything God said he would do and the fact that Jesus came and did everything God said, by believing that that sacrifice was complete and it's yours, you have eternal life. It's that simple. And that's the, the gift that, that keeps on giving forever, right? By simply believing, and that's something that God even works in us too, that we can hang on to this truth by faith, that we can have a cradle in our heart that says, Jesus reside there. It begins at baptism with a splash of water, and then his name changes our eternity. It begins also and is strengthened when we come and we hear the dialogue of God's word, and it strengthens us. The Holy Spirit continues to grab on to what God says, and we now know and it changes things. Right now, you're living eternally. By simply believing in Jesus Christ, you don't have to wait. Now, you're not experiencing the full extent of that. Being in heaven with God and Jesus there with perfected body and all that God has planned, it'll take an eternity to you to just pine the depths of, of this love talked about here when we get there, but you're already living eternally now. This promise, this truth can't be taken away. So let's take this time at Christmas, which is a special time, right? Where you come here to focus on the Savior, where you get together with family and friends to focus on blessings. May that be a good time for you, but don't ever lose focus on what God gives, the best gift, it's Jesus. But there's more. Because when you leave here tonight and after a few days of celebrating, you get back to the grind of life. And there will be problems and there will be sadness and there will be sorrow. The world will continue to be the world. You'll be impacted by sin and you will sin, but the promise still remains. May God continue to whisper in your ear, I love you so much I gave. All that you have done wrong, I have made right. By simply believing in what I have done, it has changed you now and for eternity. That's it. That's God's plan wrapped up in a single little passage. So let's hear it once again and let the Holy Spirit wrap this up and, and put it in your heart. It, it's good for this evening. It's good for a lifetime. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loves 
you. God so loves me that he gave his son. Amen.